What do you do when your scheduled guest doesn't show up? We'll find out on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. TV podcast. I'm Matt Napple. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here as always. I had this funny thing going on with my voice all day, but I'm kind of digging it. <laughs> kind of digging the low. Uh, it's not. It's not on ten- intentional. It's not on purpose. I, I, I assure you. It's. Uh, I think I woke up uh, <laughs> a little early this morning and uh, was doing some extreme vocalizing, uh, which means screaming at a uh, misbehaving child. <laughs> and resulted in uh, a, a strain in the voice that comes off as uh, kind of a little bit radio friendly, if you know what I mean. That was intentional. Uh, we're supposed to be talking about going to jail tonight, uh, but my guest, <laughs> my guest is a little late, and that kind of makes me wonder, oops, uh, where he might be. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's not jail. <laughs> Anyway, I don't think it is, and I am expecting him to join us tonight. We'll be talking about uh, somebody who became a federal uh, prison consultant on on a consultant helping people deal with going to jail. Uh, so it could be an interesting program. I don't know if we're we're heard in the jails. Do they have podcasts in the jails? Uh, they probably have YouTube in the jails, uh, but. Um, this is not only for people in jail, it's for people who are uh, possibly going to jail and how to reduce sentence time and all that kind of stuff. So while we wait and see if he shows up, let's get the crap out of the way. And by the crap, I mean this. <laughs> As you know, uh, several weeks ago, uh, oh, I don't even know how long ago anymore, Chris Barris from SES Research was promoting this product. It's called My Vital C. And it makes the claim that it can uh, lengthen your lifespan by 90% or more, make you basically live to be a a ripe old age of somewhere between 140 and 152, somewhere in there. Um, Which my my initial reaction, like, who wants that? Who wants to live that? But what if you could maintain your current state of health and uh vibrance of life well then it's a, a different story it, actually i'd like if i could be 22 23 in the prime of my life or something like that i would definitely take that in a heartbeat but whatever he made these claims and claimed that it will give you more energy help you sleep better and give you clarity better clarity of thought and other health benefits uh but the one i'm most skeptical about is the uh, living to 140 to 152 years old so uh i told him i didn't believe it I'm skeptical about it. I'm not that I, I refuse to believe it. I need to see some evidence. And since we don't have any 152-year-old people walking around, uh, it's a hard-pressed uh, evidence. Well, the evidence is in the lab mammals that they tested it on. But he said, how about this? I'll send you some of the product for free. You try it for six to eight weeks, have me back, and we'll review your results. I said, fair enough. And so that's what I've been doing. So twice a day, I've been taking this on the air. Now, uh, I do it on the air for two reasons. I want to hold myself accountable because if I don't do it on the air, I'll probably forget to do it. 
and secondly, so that there's some video evidence of, in fact, I did do it. So it's really quick. I'll get it out of the way because it's uh, getting to be a nuisance. I can't wait till October 29th at 1 p.m. when he'll be back with me so I can kind of put this to rest and not at least not have to do it on the air anymore. I don't know if I'll continue using it, but I'm certainly not going to continue using it on the air after uh, October 29th. So here goes. It's really quick. It's It's very simple to take, but it's also... It tastes awful. It tastes really, really bad. So you got to take it with a chaser. Uh, tonight, my chaser is just straight orange juice. No vodka, I promise you. Uh, again, we're supposed to be talking about going to jail tonight. Uh, and my guest is not here. Uh, I'm assuming he's got time zone screwed up or something. Uh, so I'm stalling and hoping he's going to show up. I have sent him uh, the invite several times. I uh, got no response. But in the meantime, uh, FunWise Capital is my sponsors tonight. And we're going to uh, have some new sponsors on board starting tomorrow night that are really exciting. You might want to take advantage of those. But if you need business funding, you need cash for your business, even if you don't have a business, FunWise Capital can help. They're a lender matching platform that gets you the best uh, credit lines guaranteed. Apply online in 60 seconds or less, and there's no effect to your credit to see how much you can get. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. Get the best funding you can qualify for. Their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months, unsecured term loans, loans based on income, short-term gap funding and bridge loans, and they work with real estate startups, as I mentioned, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. Get started. It's really easy. Just go to apply.funwise.com slash mindog. That's apply.funwise.com slash mindog. And I surely do. Uh. <laughs> I surely do hope you uh, patronize my sponsors. Uh, hello, Adam. Um, you know, you're going to be on Thursday night. I don't know if we, we could do two nights in a row this week. Uh, um, but if you want to join me, I will send you a uh, an invite to kind of sit in while I, while we're just killing some time here. Sure, why not? Um, just give me one second to figure out exactly. I'm going to send that to you. I think I send it to you to Facebook probably the safest way to go quickest way I should say to uh, get a hold of you so just hold on just one second uh, here we go and here we go uh, and uh, I'm talking with Adam Lippy who's in the uh, the chat room right now and he'll be my guest uh, Thursday night to promote uh, once again his film that is actually having a theatrical release uh, I believe it's Friday, but he'll clear that up in a moment, I guess. Um, I would have, have done the research by the time he gets here Thursday night, but since he's probably going to be coming in any moment now, uh, we'll let him clear that up. Uh, as I mentioned, we will be having some really new, exciting sponsors coming on, and I'm starting a new radio show on Live 365 uh, beginning November 1st or sooner. Um, I'm thinking probably sooner. Uh, and the format will be uh, oldies music with the Mind Dog Show uh, kind of um, integrated in between playlists of oldies music. And I will be doing some classic uh, AM style DJing, like uh, the old Wolfman Jack show. Uh, probably be doing some late night shows 
when we don't have gigs on the weekends. Just, uh, you know, Mind Dog's midnight dance party type of uh, radio show uh, for old folks, for old people who still want to listen to some great, great old music. Um, stayed off the um, Jeffrey Tubin thing last night. I knew about the Jeffrey Tubin thing at airtime last night, and I decided not to tell jokes about it. I don't know why. I just feel like, uh, you know, people, uh, <laughs> people kind of worn out by shockness, <laughs> the shocking behavior of other people. But if you don't know by now, and you probably do, uh, Jeffrey Tubin was having a Zoom call with his employers at New Yorker Magazine and decided he needed to jerk off uh, <laughs> in the middle of a Zoom call. Uh, he claims he did not know he was still on camera and still had his microphone on. Uh, if you've been on a Zoom call, you know that's really hard to imagine. I mean, you have an option to leave the meeting. You still see yourself on the on the picture. Uh, according to the people in the room, he uh, tilted the camera down. So basically, obviously, he wanted somebody to see his stuff. If you're asking me, but um, it was <laughs> the odd part of it is for, for me, folks. And, and I'm obviously I have a very weird sense of humor sometimes, um, but. Uh, how broken do you have to be? Now, <laughs> this was an election election night simulation. They were going through, running through what they might be doing uh, as election results came in uh, two weeks from now. And uh, he just decided he needed to beat off right then and there. Uh, so how broken do you have to be that role-playing election results gets you so horny that you have to just drop what you're doing in the middle of a, a room full of professional people <laughs> and stop whacking off. Uh, I would say pretty broken. Um, but he, to his credit, I guess, did not deny it in any way. I don't know, to his credit or stupidity, did not deny it in any way and basically just said, I, I made a mistake. I didn't know my camera was still on. Um this is the world we live in now, folks. Uh, people and somebody on uh, Twitter, I think it was, said, you know, what this is the way guys are all the time. Office job is the only thing that keeps men from being off all day long, <laughs> having to go to an office, which um, I don't know how true that is. Oh, but it's a funny thought. Uh, but somebody else um <laughs> said that, you know, I guess there's a lot of uh, people who are doing that sort of thing. And I said, you know, I don't think so. I really, really don't think so. Because, um, first of all, let's, uh, it, you, you have to be able to concentrate to to do that. It's like kind of like trying to have sex with a, a ball game going on in, in your headphones or something. Uh, you hear, you're hearing what's going on in an office that they're talking about election results and being able to uh, satisfy yourself somehow uh, in the midst of that uh, takes a special kind of uh, unique focus, ability to focus, if you ask me. I don't think I would be able to do that, to be honest with you. I re and I, I, God's honest truth, folks, I have never beat off during a Zoom call in my life. <laughs> I just, and I've been on a lot of Zoom calls. And I, I, you know what? I'll go a step further. The thought never even occurred to me that you might want to do that. <laughs> uh, I'd love to hear your comments on the Jeffrey Tubin story, if you know the Jeffrey Tubin story. I can't imagine you don't by now. It's, it's, it's everywhere. And, you know, 
it's one thing to be seen by your boss uh, pleasuring yourself, beating off, jerking off, however you want to classic call it, you want to call it that, but and to be suspended from work for it. But then to have him go to the media and tell everybody in the media. So now it's just like, um, first of all, he can never look his colleagues in straight in the eye again, ever. Uh, hey, how you doing? Oh, yeah. And without them giggling and thinking, oh, yeah, this is the creep that was beaten off while we were on a Zoom call that time. Uh, so he's kind of stuck with that for life, even if he goes back to work. And they were not his only employer. He also worked at other places. Now, the other part of it was uh, O.J. Simpson decided to chime in uh, on Twitter and kind of chastise Jeffrey Tubin for for <laughs> what he did, which is which is kind of bizarre. I mean, in the in on the scale of you know of just really bad behavior. Um, Jeffrey Tubin is way down there, and OJ is like in the stratosphere somewhere. Uh, but OJ felt like he he wanted to take the high horse on this one. Uh, I guess he forgot that maybe uh, killing two people is is worse than beating off. I don't know. Uh, so that that's the Jeffrey Tubin story. Uh, if you have any comments on it, I'd be glad to hear from you. Uh, Adam is here. Uh, let's just welcome him in. He's going to be with us again Thursday night. This is going to be a long week for Adam. He's going to be putting up with a lot of mind dogish uh, stuff. But welcome him in. Adam, welcome back, buddy. Thanks very much, Matt. What's going on, man? Well, actually, I, I had a, a, an interview yesterday. I pinch hit for for uh, somebody else yesterday. I kind of guest hosted their own <laughs> podcast. Oh, man. Uh, and I got another one tomorrow and then your Thursday. Wow. Uh, so just kind of booking them back to back because my film uh, is being uh, it's virtual streaming again. So you can still watch it at home um, for anybody listening. But uh, so it's me playing at the Lemley Theaters in Los Angeles, wow. which is a, a chain in Los Angeles where they play all the Oscar movies. Right. Um, and so they're going to stream it off their website. And then I'm trying to figure out whether I should just string this along forever and just keep virtually streaming any theater that accepts it. <laughs> it's not available anywhere else. Yeah. Well, you'll probably be pretty old by the time that happens. Um, but so they, they're putting it in the theater. What's going on though with the, the Is it like full capacity in the theater? They, they can just like go. No, I don't think Los Angeles is open at all. Um, uh, they, I don't believe like, just like New York city there, the theaters aren't open. So oh, I, I thought it was a theatrical lease where you could actually go into the theater and sit and watch your film. No, no, it's, oh. it's the same thing where you're, you'd be streaming it at home and they're, they're hosting the file. Gotcha. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt your Jeffrey Tubin train of thought. I'm sorry. No, no, I was, I was, I was the cable much, and I was like, he's on a roll. Let him go. No, I was pretty much done with with the Jeffrey Tubin stuff. It's just a, such a bizarre story. Um, and, uh, if you find, and, <laughs> let's we'll come back to the film uh on the jeffrey tubin thing now somebody said that they think that most first of all the line was that uh most men an office job is only is the only thing that keeps men from doing from jerking off all day long i mean so basically they, they, i guess it was a woman who said this that if if having a place to go and a place to be where there are people around to hold you accountable is the only thing that keeps men from jerking off all day long, which I, you know, even in my youth when I was extremely horny, I didn't, it was not true, but uh, I found it funny. And then I said, you know, and somebody else said, well, I guess there's a lot of men, men out there, 
YouTubing. YouTubing. <laughs> YouTubing is what they call it now. Uh, and uh, I don't think that's possible either because you can't really, you have to be, able, if you're going to masturbate, you have to be able to concentrate somewhat. You can't be in a room where they're talking about election results and, 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 and going role playing election night results while you're checking off. I mean, maybe that's a fetish. I mean, that's. Yeah, well, I, I like baseball, but I can't listen to a baseball game while I have sex. Right, but I mean, isn't it more likely that he's maybe a bit of an exhibitionist and like this was part of it? Well, yeah, that's what I think, but he's claiming it was an accident that he didn't know he was still on a Zoom meeting. Now, but I find that... All exhibitionists claim that it's an accident so they, yeah. they, can, they can get away with it, right? Yeah, I don't get away with it. I don't think he's getting away with it anyway. And, the, the you know, I, I said, you know, it's bad enough that you get fired for this and yeah you're embarrassed in front of all your fellow employees colleagues whatever you want to call them but to have it put in the media i mean nobody else nobody can ever look you in the eye without giggling a little bit or thinking this is it's jeffrey Beatoff. <laughs> his name is does have, and does it have to go on his linkedin page it does it has to go everywhere no. it's gonna be he might as well put it on his forehead. I'm the guy who beat off in Zoom. Uh, so <laughs> it's, uh, it's just a weird, weird time we're living in. Um, for people who are, I'm gonna be done with Jeffrey Dubin right now. So, for people who are not yet aware, uh, Adam has a film called Wait, Wait, Don't Kill Me. We've talked about it uh twice now for almost an hour each time, the first time an hour and more, and then the second time almost an hour, and then we dove into some political stuff. And now he's back because it's uh premiering in yet another theater. See, uh, and it's important for people to realize that COVID has uh really affected um the releases of independent films and this is a film you've been waiting to release for a long time it's about a pandemic and the pandemic actually affected the film it's a twisted irony there or, or what uh well to be honest it affected the film positively oh really uh, well there is no way that the theaters would have ever taken this movie on had this not happened okay <laughs> well, that's a good sign. Um, uh, it never would because based on the SAG contract that I had, I couldn't have it play in the theater anyway. It couldn't play right, theater. So right. the fact that it sits next to like legitimate movies coming out with big marketing budgets with major distributors is kind of like it, what what's been happening is one one theater takes it on, and then and then that gives me validity, and then another theater's like, oh, okay, well they took it, so we'll take it. Right. And they don't even ask to watch it. And then another theater says, oh, okay, we'll absolutely take it, not even watch a trailer. Like, it's just a domino effect. So wow. in a sense, it is a benefit. Now, am I making big money? Of course I'm not. But um, <laughs> it, it it involves tons of work on my part and not just promoting the film, but, like, press releases, sending them out. You know, it's, it's endless. Um, but – I guess this is the most kind of exposure a movie like this would normally get, which, you know, would be dismissed as lowbrow, which I, I'm not going to deny, but it isn't all lowbrow. Yeah, I, you can go a lot lower with your brow than that movie yeah. by far. Uh, I had a guest on about a month ago. I don't know if you're familiar with this film called Manos. It's like it, Manos, it, the Hands of Fate. Sure, that's, yeah. that's the famous MST3K episode that I literally cannot sit through. Um, I can't sleep through that episode because the movie's so painful that they're in pain and, right. and that there is no joy in it. I remember seeing that on a VHS, I think, in college, watching right. the, watching the MST3K episode. Now, the movie itself is unwatchable, but the even the, the there there's just no joy at all. 
it's a it's a really it's a rough one. I I've not understood the following for that because you know, uh, it, the the worst movie ever made is a movie that's boring. You right. Know, oh, the Troll Two is the worst movie ever made. No, it's not because it's funny the whole time. Right. Um, yeah. The, the, the Manos might be one of the worst movies ever made because it's so dull and uneventful that it's nearly impossible to sit through. Well, uh, yeah, but it, it does have some uh, unintended comic moments. Like, sure, but they're so spread out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my eyes are burning all of a sudden. <laughs> but I had the little girl whose father made the movie, and she was the little girl from the movie. Al, Al Warren, right? Is that who it was? Yeah. Uh, no, what's her name? Jackie? Uh, I forget her last name now. But, yeah, I just yeah. remember Hal Warren, who was the, who was the yeah, guy right. who made the movie. I'd read all right. about him you know, years yeah. ago. And she doesn't have a great relationship with her father, but that movie uh, is their kind of connection at this point. She's now 60-something. He's in his 90s or late 80s. And she's making, she made a sequel to okay. that movie. <laughs> Actually, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a sequel. I've, I couldn't be a prequel because they're all too old now. Oh, my God. Excuse me, folks. Um, so, But they're proud, and they that's their uh, claim to fame now, that it, they're proud to say it's the worst movie ever made. No, not one of the worst. They they say it's the worst. Um, so and that's a, a badge of honor for them, which is really bizarre for me. It's but, a strange badge of honor. It's like, so you failed at the thing you spent your whole life doing? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if they, he spent his whole life. He he spent a, a good part of, but they didn't spend any money on it. The, oh yeah. The, the issue was the dog. The dog in the movie got the biggest pay because it got extra dog food from. Right. One of the- <laughs> but I bet, I bet, even with uh, with inflation, their movie cost considerably more than mine did. Right. Because they, yeah. they, they shot on film. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, but it, yeah, yeah, you're right. They had film and they had to develop it. Yeah. But uh, it wasn't sound film. They It was one of those deals where they had to record all the sound. Oh, yeah. yeah you can tell it's all ADR. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, none of the actors got paid at all. Um, but it, it, I, why I brought it up was because you said, you know, somebody called your film lowbrow. I mean, so uh, co- uh, compared to that, your your film is uh, Citizen Kane, The Godfather. I mean, you, you could name a lot of great movies that. Well, <laughs> if you read the book, The Godfather's really lowbrow. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They cut that stuff out of the movie, but there's that whole subplot about how the woman has to get uh, vaginal rejuvenation because cause Sonny is ruining her. Right. <laughs> Which they like, you know, well, cut out of the movie. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was, in 1972, it would have been hard to put that in a movie, right? Right. Um, so, and then last week I had a guy on, you know, you you know the movie Howard the Duck. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that guy. You, you had the duck on, or you had Tim Robbins? I had on? the duck. <laughs> I had the duck. Uh, his name is Ed Bell. He, he's okay. also the guy who uh, he w- played the stunt parts for Chucky. He's a dwarf. Okay, he's a a, um, a gay uh, Republican dwarf who happens to be a racist and proud of it, but he's married to a very dark brown Filipino man. If any of that makes sense to you, please explain it to me. <laughs> I mean, some people like to be all contradictions, and they and and they like to think that like yeah, that you know, f the man, I'm I'm, I'm messing with everybody, and 
And uh, aren't, aren't, I an, aren't I an iconoclast? And the answer is no. You're just you're just what we would call an edge lord. You just think something's offensive, and yeah. you're going to push the envelope. But it's really kind of boring. Yeah. Well, he definitely he definitely um, shocked me enough to say, you know what? I can't air this stuff. We always dropping end bombs a lot and stuff. Oh, like okay. You have, the, <laughs> you have the bleep button. It, no, and uh, you know because it was I didn't you know a producer hooked it up for me and he had been very good and so I wanted to honor the commitment to have the guy on but then all along I was thinking to a very feeling very uncomfortable about the whole conversation and then he w- was wanting to be on the program like once a week he was like he said you know now we're, we're buds I got your phone number and, and, we're, and we're just gonna yeah I want I want to be on often I'm not telling you how to run your show but. Oh no! What did I get into here? But Howard the Duck is also considered one of the worst movies of all time. Now it is, but it's it's see that there's this weird thing that happens where people think that something because it lost money, it's the worst movie ever made. As if a that really is a reflection. Now Howard the Duck's bad, but it's mostly boring at points. There's some weird, like the opening maybe 45 minutes is kind of really weird. And then there's a lot of just chases that are fairly generic and, you know, nothing special. I mean, it's produced by George Lucas and it's, you know, within the Spielberg Lucas family because those William Hayek and Gloria Katz did that. who worked on American Graffiti and and the Indiana Jones movies. And so there's like a competence level to it that makes it kind of boring. Um, But it's not like other than some truly strange things and Jeffrey Jones's way over the top performance. It's kind of something you can ignore. It's not... uh, it's not anything that I would say, oh, yeah, go out of your way to see it. I mean, the things that get get this tag, are, it's kind of strange. Like, you know, Ishtar is actually really funny for about half an hour. Right. And, and, it, and then it falls apart. But it has one of the funniest opening, maybe 20, 25, maybe half hour mo- minutes that I can think of, honestly. Refresh my memory on that. With that Warren Beatty's movie? Uh- yeah, Warren Beatty uh, and uh, Dustin Hoffman. And it's uh, uh-huh. Elaine May's last film. Right. And... Um, the opening is they're terrible uh, singers and songwriters and they want to be Simon and Garfunkel and they're really bad. And uh, uh, there, there's a song they sing that actually inspired me for my film because there's a song they sing called Dangerous Business that it's worth tracking down the YouTube clips of this because it's so <laughs> funny. Um, but the, the, the lyrics are like, telling the truth can be dangerous business. Honest and popular don't, don't go hand in hand. Uh, if you admit that you can play the accordion, no one will hire you for a rock and roll band. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny because uh, very I, funny, yeah. we had a, a guy who played accordion in, in the band for a while. He, he but he didn't play the accordion in the band. He he was a guy who played keyboards in the band, but told me he was an accordion player. And mm-hmm. I was I was ruthlessly uh, mean to him, like you know, you, we got to get the accordion, bring the accordion and a monkey, and and you can open up for us and that kind of stuff. And he he did didn't like it at all he took his accordion playing seriously but uh, that that line kind of will will definitely make me laugh so, um, so, so i've watched those scenes and they're it's on youtube the ishtar stuff at the beginning is very funny once they actually get to morocco it's not very good but charles groden steals a bunch of scenes but definitely that song i just mentioned um is worth it in my film we have a character named serious business it's just because i didn't call him dangerous business it's really the same thing right. it's like why why invite any censorship or or problems with a clearing it it was just like but eh, i want a, a little bit of an ode to it i think i think that song is funny enough i think paul williams wrote all the music for that movie wow then it must be pretty the music must be pretty good i mean it's music. pretty good at being pretty bad that's the point 
Yeah, uh, but uh, was it meant to be a comedy? Uh, yeah, I remember when it came out. It's oh. comedy. It's absolutely uh, a comedy. <laughs> I, thought, um. I, thought, I thought it was meant to be a serious movie. No, it's 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 obviously like a, a, a sort of a remake of, of Road to Morocco in a way. Oh. Uh. It's very much in that Hope of Crosby style. Yeah, but they're not being, and, and times change, and they're not being Crosby and Bob Hope. I no, mean, the, the casting is odd, but it works at times. But then when, like, and they don't break the fourth wall like uh, Hope and Crosby did. Like, it's very, it plays like a straight movie. Oh, and yeah. Charles Roden drops in and playing like a sarcastic FBI agent. And he's funny, but yeah. there's long stretches in the second half of the movie that don't work at all. But it is hardly like the worst thing I've ever seen. But it's just something gets a tag because it because it may, it costs a lot of money as if as if the people watching the movie care what it costs. I, I never understood that at all. Like why it makes any difference. The same reason I never understand why anyone cares how much money a movie makes. Right. Um, what different? It, what, you know, when I used to talk about this way is like uh, whenever they announced the box office numbers in the paper, I would say this is the most boring episode of Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous that I've ever heard of. Um, <laughs> Because it's just like so, corporations are bragging about their profits. Why do you care? Right. Um, as if, as if this is a reflection of anything other than a randomness or an effectiveness of marketing, and not like what if the movie's any good? It's always a very strange phenomenon. Well, well yeah, cared. my vote for the worst movie of all time was a huge success financially, and that would be Paul Mar uh, Paul Blart's Mall Cop, uh, Kevin James, and that's the uh, I've seen it. And I went. I wanted my money back. It's the only time in my life I actually really wanted my money back. I felt violated. Well, did you people. know what you were getting into when you? See, I mean, you see a title like that. I forget. I think we were taking the kids to see it. Oh, okay. it was, right. But uh, even even then, the kids didn't laugh, and it was just like, well, what the? Hell? And I was a, a Kevin James fan, and I, uh, you know, I, I liked him when I saw him in stand up. I saw. I, I liked the stand up. I figured it wouldn't be that bad, but it was. It was the worst movie I've ever seen. And, uh, you know, I haven't seen Manos uh, or a lot of those movies. But I've seen, you know, that era of uh, really low-grade B movies from the 50s and 60s, right. you know. Uh, well, as, you, as you age, I can imagine just you don't have the time to put in to watch something that you know is bad. Yeah. Uh, when you're younger, there's an excitement to it. When you age, it's just like, do I really need to sit through this? I yeah. Mean, well, and I watched Saturday Night Fever 30 years after it came out, probably. Yeah, probably around that. And I was stunned at how bad, how bad that really? was. Really? I always thought that was really good. I thought that held up pretty well. It's very dark. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's not so much the story. It's the acting. And the, the girl, she goes, uh, uh, he said, you know, Travolta said, tell me the truth, Stephanie. Do you love this man? He helps me, man. Do you love him? He helps me, okay? He just helps me, man. That's it. He helps me, man. Okay, he helps you. He helps you. So that's good for you. <laughs> I mean, come on. Well, then don't watch the sequel because it's a lot worse. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. St uh, St Stallone directed the sequel. It's called yeah. Staying Alive. It's a huge hit. It's awful. Uh, yeah, uh, and Stallone kind of got helped him get in, in like muscular shape for that one, and yeah, and, become, and like, not understanding what a dancer would look like at all. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, make him into a bodybuilder because right. that was that was you know in vogue in the eighties, I guess, when that movie was made. Um, but you brought up uh, just and really quickly in passing when you're talking about uh, dangerous business, serious business, uh, you had some in the back of your mind. Why? Why even risk getting 
sued or, or, mm -hmm. or have any kind of lawsuit. And that's funny because that came up in an interview. I was interviewed today by an Italian podcaster, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we, I, I mentioned that. He talked about, you know, writing music and writing stuff, and I'm always hypersensitive to that because in music especially, is more so than I think in any other uh, art form, people are really quick to sue over Oh, it sounds almost like, sort of like, oh, there's one line, three words in there that sound like it came from a line from my song, my movie or something. So there are constantly lawsuits about that. And I'm always, uh, I think, hypersensitive to that when I'm creating something. Does it, is you consciously aware of that? You mentioned the one instance with serious business and danger. Yeah, you're, you're aware because, you know, uh, Pauline Kael, the famous, famous film critic, she said that... Um, uh, uh, an homage is uh, stealing that's not actionable. Um, so when you're when you're making a movie, you're stealing from the things that inspired you, that influenced you, whatever it was, or you're parroting. I mean, my say, my case, I was parroting certain things, but also you know, sort of like you know, homages because they're not like complete replications, but they're they're jokes about a thing that I've seen without ever acknowledging it. Right. So you have to be conscious of like, let's not steal the whatever unless you're you know making fun of it deliberately I so yeah you, ha you, you there are services that will go through your script oh yeah in, right in yeah. advance and like mark it up for things that are um you know a potentially actionable potentially a problem i mean if you have four or five grand to give away you can go do that or you can be a little more careful about what you're what yeah, you're writing. There's, there's so much content out there. It's hard to find, it's hard to create anything completely original without at least having uh, something that might seem like that. A company like that, if you pass the a script to somebody, they could probably find questionable things in any script anybody sure. gives them at any time, right? So, yeah, how do of course. You, it, and 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 the thing is, so so uh, I'll tell the tale out of school that you would that uh, you should never tell. Um, so there are script companies. Well, not script companies. There are companies that that claim that they will package your movie and get get it to investors, and they rate your script, and um, they'll do a thing like if you can package your your movie with some stars and producers who have based on the ratings that they give you, they will then let you open the door to talk to investors who may invest in you, and then the company, of course, takes a piece of anything that happens. Right. And these are all known kind of in the industry as completely bogus. And just ways to rip people off. But I've had conversations with some of these people because I'm sort of confrontational about like, why are you ripping people off who are already desperate? I know um, you, you like that role in life, don't you? Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, and and because and, um, I'm confrontational and because I'm direct, you know, you, you'll get into a conversation where someone thinks that because you're having the conversation that suddenly that um, I have to be nice about it. But if I just see you as, you know, being rip offs, I've had... You know, a I won't name the company, but people could probably figure it out with context clues um, based on what I'm saying. Uh, but I had some conversations and like kind of exposed what they were doing. And and um, I mean, it wasn't like it was a secret, but they were bragging about uh, we, we were associated with this. Um, uh, you know, they, they they'll have an ad that says, you know, uh, 30 of our science fiction films were connected with 30 million dollars worth of financing, you know, and really it's just someone who's a producer of a movie that's on their site once made a movie that cost $30 million. And there also happen to be other science fiction movies that are on their site, but they're not, there's no connection whatsoever. It's just completely misleading one after the other, after the other, <laughs> but they wanted uh, an association with a, uh, a 
in this conversation where um, I had been trying to get off their email list for for like a year, they kept emailing me and saying, hey, don't you want to use our service? And I kept saying no. And I couldn't, uns- unsubscribing would not work. I know and, that feeling. <laughs> and, the last uh, it just wouldn't work. And they and I finally found a way to do it. And I gave them a zero. And the woman, this woman who works there contacted me and said, hey, why'd you give us a zero? And I said, do you really want to have this conversation? <laughs> because I'll tell you. She said, no, please tell us. And then I unloaded for, you know, 12 paragraphs, explained what you guys do. Here's what people say about you. I would just normally ignore you, but you're exploiting people, blah, blah. And she wanted to continue. And we had this back and forth and they start, and she was like, well, you know, we're responsible for this one movie called, uh, you know, getting the financing for this movie called animal crackers, which just came out on Netflix. Um, not the Marx Brothers movie, right. um, but an, <laughs> an, an animated movie that came out in China first and was in sort of financial limbo for years under the aegis of Byron Allen's company. And when you read the story, and I think it was Variety or Deadline, it's one of the worst stories ever in terms of the nightmare that a filmmaker goes through. And they're trying to take credit for the financing of this. But basically what happened is the guy got over leveraged. They had spent millions of dollars. It wasn't finished. They had like a name cast doing the voices. It's a kid's movie like John Krasinski or something and a couple other people. And it eventually got released in China in the theater, but he didn't get any money and he couldn't get further financing. And he kept going to different people and he, and you know, it just took going and going and going. And eventually he kept getting sued over and over and over. And he eventually ended up with no rights to the movie completely broke um, on a, on a, what was, I guess a $15 million movie. Um, and it went, it played on, you know, it did come out on Netflix recently, but he doesn't get a cent of that and he'll probably not work again. Wow. And they were trying to claim like, look, the, 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 the guy who worked on this said that we helped get financing. And I said, are you out of your mind? <laughs> that is the worst situation. You know, I, I linked to the story. Did you know this story? Like, like this is, <laughs> this is the nightmare. This is, I, I followed this on Facebook for like three years where the, the director was talking like, you know, garbage about all the people who had been harm, harming him and that stuff's still there. And I can't believe that someone has a delete. And so they're trying to take credit for all this stuff. And, um, and I'm like, you don't want any part of that. And then they, they said, well, also, you know, um, you know, uh, sometimes th- uh, things that are different. Cause I was making the point of that their grading system was rewarding generic product. I'm right. like, you're, you're basically saying that there's some formula that, that you'll come to that that will open the door to some financing, but really you're just rewarding something that is like fits into this piece and right, then, right. this interlock. I mean, it's just, you know, how can you combine finances with creativity and then decide that I'm then worthy enough to talk to a potential investor, which you then get a piece of no matter what, right. you know, we'll talk, talk about a closed loop. Um, uh, and, and I was explaining all this and she's, and she said, well, you know, we have a, you know, some, sometimes our system doesn't work because we had films like uncut gems and the peanut butter solution listed and nobody financed it. And I'm like, I mean, if those, if those oddball movies didn't get financed, that should say something about your system. And she, and then I said something, I guess a little more insulting when I kind of called it like, (laughs) well, it kept going. I kept escalating a little bit. Uh, But she, when she responded to the part where I, I called you, I called them kind of like the equivalent of Spanish fly. Um, uh, you know, like a, a, a something that you you tease yeah. young boys that they can, yeah. <laughs> they can get something with, but it's right. so out of date that it's like like it did, none of it makes any sense. I was making it, fun of the notion of even explaining Spanish it, fly. Um, 
<laughs> but she responded to that. But then when I said that, I thought she was being, I couldn't tell if she was being disingenuous or, or it was deliberately misleading or whatever, whatever she didn't respond well to that. And she said, well, if you don't think we have success stories, here's, you know, look at our success page. And I click on the, this video package they put together and their link and they're saying that they're trying to take credit for financing uh, the peanut butter solution and uncut gems, which she wow. had previously said in an email that they had no success whatsoever. Right, right. Wow. Uh, um, and wow. This, this is a very common thing where you're just like, you know, I said to her, look, if you guys just say, hey, we're for weekend warriors and we and none of it matters and nothing that anybody ever writes here is going to make any difference. Great. At least well, as long as you're not lying to anybody. But if you really want to help independent filmmakers where we're all, you know, preyed upon, we're all taken advantage of. And this is not going to get better during the pandemic because all these small companies are going to go under and all the mid-level companies. What they're going to do is they're going to start ripping people off because they're going to be required to in order to stay afloat. Right. And I said, if you want to really help people, you know, there are ways to do it. But what you're doing is obviously preying on, you know, disadvantaged, you know, hopeful people who, you know, a people who think that distribution is the be all end all and see like, you know, if, if they get their movie made, then they're suddenly going to become, you know, millionaires, which right. none of which is true. So, well, that um, just plays to the desperation for, for yeah. a lot of, a lot of people who are just really so desperate to get their work out there that they'll, they'll, they'll want to believe anything. If you're just joining us and you're expecting talk about federal prison, my guest, uh, Dan Wise, who was, uh, a consultant for the federal prison system, uh, did not show up, but, Adam Lippy, who has a uh, film that is going to be released again in another theater online uh, this weekend, I believe Friday, right? It's Friday. Friday. And, the the uh, Lemley Theater chains on Lemley.com. And he's likely to go to prison for uh, the charge of over-releasing a film. Yes, uh, I am. I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> right. And the film is called Wait, Wait, Don't Kill Me, and it will be re-released this Friday, uh, Friday. On, online, so you'll be able to watch it then. So, um, but when you're talking, I'm thinking, do you think this woman, is she a true believer? Did they brainwash her or is she and she's like a useful pawn to them or is she like a, an upper executive really trying uh, to make the case? She's one of the, you know, dirty. The, 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 the place people. has been around for eight or nine years and there's just no chatter about it at all. And so you can never tell if it's just run out of someone's basement anymore. Right. Um, but I'm thinking and, maybe she was like a new hire, new receptionist. No, they, they gave no, her the Kool-Aid and she drank it and. <laughs> her name is on all of like the the uh, the uh, the FAQs, like in all the articles that they write. Right, her name right. is all over it. Um, dirty. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I deal a lot with online trolls, and I um, uh, I I often have that conundrum of: it doesn't matter whether someone is uh, stupid or disingenuous. In the in the end, it doesn't really make any difference. Really, I, because never... the result. The result is the same. The result is either they're playing stupid or they are stupid. But right. how it reads is exactly the same. Well, the um, vic victimhood is definitely the same. But uh, there are different, in my view, there are different levels to hell. And so the stupid person should get the, the most comfortable uh, position in hell, more comfortable position to hell than the insidious evil person, in my view. Oh, well, that the results, sure, should be different. I just mean to the reader, to the oh, yeah, one experiencing yeah. it, the one interacting with it, there is no real difference because all it is is, you know, a grading system of like, all right, this person is consciously doing playing dumb right. and this person has mental limitations. What they're right. writing really makes no difference, which is which. So right. um, uh, one of my new projects is about 
uh, trolling. Um, so um, I, I have been studying it for a long time, and and I I do um, uh, I, I have learned all the different ways that it works, and and then uh, for you know from the top to the bottom, and 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 the ways to deal with it, and and uh, when to just walk away and ignore it. Well, I'm um, ca- I'm I'm being the victim of it, sort of, but I, it's it's kind of under control right now. But there is a group, an activist group, out of somewhere in I don't I don't want to say too much about. It, but I'm being trolled by a group of, of one person who I had on the show at this you know 250 almost 260 shows now. Uh, one guest who, who was not happy with the way I uh confronted him much the way i think you probably would if you were had this guy on if you were had a show like this and this guy was on your show i think you'd call on call his bullshit yeah i mean part part of what i want to do actually is part of uh uh you know in your experience similarly is i'm gonna i think i'm gonna do it is have a podcast that i'm just gonna record and i have no intention of releasing any of them but it's just (laughs) it's just so so part of what i'm writing is about uh is about life coaches and how there's this kind of um, interior, uh, 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 this, this endless loop, this, this MC Escher painting, uh, of self-create. And so how that is the, the, the flip side of trolling, um, that it still has, it's just the positive side of it. It's just the, you know, we're, we're up with people where, you know, where let's be supportive, let's be positive, but it's still just, you know, built upon nothing. Um, and so in this, piece that I've written and that I've still, you know, working with, there is someone who works as a troll. And then when that's too negative, there's the other side of the floor where it's just all life coaches and entrepreneurs talking to each other um, and, and creating podcasts and just, and all they do is they build up resumes based on all the different podcasts that they're on and all of that stuff that you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been interviewing life coaches, and um, I'm going to do it a lot more. And and I, uh, we, you, last time I was on, you you had a very funny idea, and I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna steal it. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna homage it. Uh, and you said uh, I was making a joke, and you said uh, uh, you should just call it uh, what um, coach after coach. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I actually had a guy on very recently who no coach to co- you called it coach to coach. That's right, what right. I had yeah. a guy on who, who said I asked him point out we're getting to the oversaturation point where more than half the population is calling themselves life coaches. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it possible to sustain this? And he said yes. Uh, oh, it was Mike Muldoon who told me that he's not even a life coach. He's a guy who. Who believes in life coaches and i said i said can we have that he said yes everybody should have a coach so you have now uh life coaches coaches who coach life coaches but then those people should have people they coach and no matter where you are on the on the food chain everybody should have somebody they're coaching they're a life coach for except for that last guy that seven billion person on right. earth who has that's, nobody that's left co- to coach that's kind of what i was yes <laughs> i was i was digging into the mlm side of this and yeah. <laughs> you ha- you have explained it perfectly <laughs> so but they they believe in that and it's yeah. just like it's, it's very strange it's like i guess uh, you know what you you can't teach self-esteem apparently uh, yeah, that that's that's what it all boils down to. Really, it's it's like self worth is you can't get it from somebody else. Nobody else can give you that. You got to get it for your own, own self. And if you can't, then you know you're, you're pretty much a hopeless case. But <laughs> you can't expect to go buy it online somewhere or, right. or that kind you of. Go to a therapist. You can you can figure out you know what you're good at and you know. 
whatever that is, and, and you just keep do- going at it. Or if you're not good at something, just keep doing it. I don't. I I mean maybe because I I am kind of uh, so so uh, filled with self esteem that it it probably plays like arrogance. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, that th- can be a problem. That's the, that's the, you said the flip side, and right away, uh, there's flip side to everything. But when you said the flip flip side of trolling is life coaching, that made a lot of sense to me. But there is a flip side of of, sure. of everything, and flip side of no self esteem is uh, arrogance, I guess, or too much self esteem comes off as arrogance. I mean, I was on. A, I was invited yesterday. I was on a call, and this guy want, uh tried to bait and switch me. Um, which uh, I don't know if this is going to happen. I'm not going to name who he is because I'm sure we're in the same circles. But uh, um, he he wanted entertainers on his show, and he so I said, "Oh, do you want? Would you like me to appear on your show?" And then you know, two weeks later, we we talked her a little bit over Facebook, and then he said he said, "Oh, we switched it a little bit, and you had to sign up for his like mentorship thing, which cost oh, a couple hundred my. bucks." Uh, and I said, uh, you are absolutely talking to the wrong person here. Uh, <laughs> um, anytime anybody tries to sell me anything, I'm immediately skeptical. I, my, my reaction to peer pressure is to, is the opposite of what you want. Um, I'm not, I'm not buying. And I said, basically, look, I'll interview you if that's okay. Um, uh, and I won't charge you anything. Right. Um, and so he, you know, I assumed when I was on the phone with him yesterday that it would go badly, but he still wants me on a show. Now, I don't know if it'll actually take place. He might have just been, you know, realizing that that uh, it might have been antagonistic <laughs> if he'd gone yeah. that direction. But uh, I'm wondering if it'll occur. I'm wondering if we do record it and it doesn't go the way he wants it, whether it'll get released. That's why I always often insist, like, hey, if you're not going to release it, I'll put it out. That's right. Fine. You know, people pay big money to be on this show. That's That's absolutely true. Uh, I don't get any of it. But there are people who are people are charging other people. To, oh, I know. To, <laughs> I, I I know. I know exactly who you mean, and I know why. Because the show that I guest hosted yesterday was as a result of that, and that same person, that same person, attempted to friend friend me today. Uh, um, not just a, a person. I have several agencies. Several. Oh, I'm referring to an agency. I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> several of them, and today or today and yesterday, I think we booked up all of November through two different uh, agencies. Where I I'm not certain that these are people that are. Uh, charging, but I know some of the agencies I work with, they charge, and they charge a decent amount of money to people to be on these podcasts, and I'm like, well, you could take the route that Adam took, just get in touch with me yourself and ask me if you can be on, and I will be happy to... Well, you gotta, you gotta have a good pitch. It's not like, you know, I, I put out probably 15 pitches a week right. to, to different to different places, Well, one of most, one, most of them ignore me, so it's, you know... Uh, I don't know how, how closely and probably not too closely at all, and I don't blame you. Uh, you clo- follow what uh, what goes on here, but w- within the sp- uh, span of five days, I had the three worst guests that I've ever had on, and they were all brought to me by a guy who books for this, and it got me some really good guests in the past, mm-hmm. but he got three that were just the dwarf guy i mentioned okay uh and then the next night was supposed to be a comedian who is the minute he came on in that screen i said are you in your car he said well it's kind of home now that's my wife back there right now and uh and they're living in a target uh parking lot uh in their car and was he he, i thought he was he was he was a sympathetic guest but he wasn't a good guest 
Um, I felt like I wanted to, to no, he was, he was just, it was just, cause I was expecting a comedian and, right. and, and it turns out he's not a comedian. He's a sex worker and okay. he's, he's, he's selling videos of him performing sex acts on himself online. The guy's a di- diabetic. He's my age or older or around my age. And he's got one eye and he's not like extremely Good looking, to say the least. I mean, he's living in his car with his wife next to him, performing sex acts on himself like this, and his wife is in the back seat, and he's selling these to people online. And I'm like, and she's watching, participating. I don't quite. She's doing whatever she's doing. She's doing her homework. Okay. She's playing with puppets. She's like, it was seriously playing with puppets. She was playing with puppets while I was talking to him, and and it was just like the most bizarre thing. And I said, Yo, "Who's paying you for sex? Is it just like weird old dudes or something?" <laughs> he said, "No, you'd be surprised. There are a lot of young girls who have a daddy fetish." And then my mind went right to, "Well, this you're not doing anything illegal. You're not doing this with minors. And how do you make sure? Because if you're living in your car and all you got really is your phone, you really have no security built into this that you can tell that you're not right. selling it to minors." So then I started working about oh, jesus my my this is on my show what am i doing but i feel bad for the guy and i i hooked him up with a gofundme uh they, you know try to get him some money and to get off the street but even that i know people will feel strange about giving to a guy who's a sex worker in his car right. with his wife so, and then the, the, the third one in five days was a kid who has a podcast and the, the podcast is monster legend podcast. And I was excited to learn about some monster legends and I, he didn't have anything to say. Like oh. he, he has absolutely nothing to say, but when, the minute he came on, I noticed his family was eating dinner behind him at, at the <laughs> at the dinner table. He and couldn't get any privacy, I guess. Yeah, he's in the living room, and they're in the dining room right behind him. And his sister is like wearing nothing but a t shirt. She's getting up and walking around, her butt sticking out, and all. And I'm like, oh my god! And he he really had nothing but one word answer. So I pulled the Letterman on him. If you've ever seen David Letterman with uh, uh, Harmony Corinne. Harmony. I was going to say, were you the Crispin Glover story? Yeah, well, but the was... Crispin Glover story is funny because that, because that's, I think, did I tell you that Crispin Glover was in character, right? Um, and, and for a movie he... called Reuben and Ed, right? Um, and and Letterman didn't know that because the movie didn't come out for another four years. But I have seen the Harmony <laughs> yeah. Corinne stuff. Yes. Yeah, and Letterman sitting there with Harmony Corinne saying, "You know, Harmony, I could be having this conversation with myself, and nobody would know the difference." <laughs> right. And I, I used that line on him, and then I told him to take an upper next time. Uh, and, but because he really had one word answers to everything. So, what do you think about flat Earth? Stupid. <laughs> Okay, uh, like how are you hosting a podcast if you can't? It, right, can't so I said, that's what I said to her. I said, "Are you as talkative on your own podcast as you are on this one here tonight?" Because it doesn't seem like you have a lot to say. And, oh, I'm still. And he said he he studies forensic science. I said, "Well, is that your day job?" No, I work in a warehouse. <laughs> okay. Now, it, does he also host the podcast with his nude sister behind him? I, I, but I think he just does audio, so it never occurred to him that oh. maybe I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I don't really know. All I know is what I felt like if you if you've ever done stand up comedy and been like not got one laugh in a in a room, that's how I felt that night. That's like, like a total bombing. Like I want to go home and just punch myself in the face all night <laughs> and give up. Uh, but you know, thankfully that. You grow a little bit, and you you keep going, and you, and you know that it's going to turn around. And you'll get some good guests eventually, <laughs> back to normal. 
but yeah, so do but you know that, if the, do you know if the guy who lives in his car had paid to be on your show? Well, here's the thing. Now I don't know if he paid, but when I went back to the kid who who booked it, and I said, you know, you've gotten some great guests in the past. What's going on? He said, well, the guy's publicist, <laughs> the guy's publicist approved the promo script for him for the introduction for him. I said, he's fucking homeless. He's got a publicist. And I'm I'm hooking up a GoFundMe for a guy who can afford to pay a, a, a publicist but can't afford an apartment. What the fuck is going on in the world, man? Well, his publicist is also an entrepreneur, so that explains uh, a lot. His publicist is also homeless. He's living in the car right next to <laughs> In a Target parking lot. And they're, right. and, they're, and, and they're teaching each other self-esteem. <laughs> they're both like, yeah, they're, they're sex-working life coaches. A new thing. Um, so you're gonna uh, you're getting a, an experience in podcasting this week, though. So you're yeah, gonna. I did be- one. I did one Saturday. I did two Monday, uh, yesterday, and today. I got one tomorrow, and then you on Thursday, and then I got another one next Tuesday. Wow! So you might, you might as well be doing it. You might as well start getting paid for it. <laughs> oh, it doesn't. That doesn't seem the the money that you might get in sponsorship. I can't imagine is worth the time. I mean, you and I work think differently in that I am all about. Uh, uh, editing and getting it right. down to a concise measure and cutting right. out the ums and the uhs and and not you know i did one that was like four hours long oh and, yeah i could and, see you doing that <laughs> and and i and i said are you going to cut it up and he's like no we just run the whole thing i'm like who's going to listen to that um and indeed that's what happened so like i put up clips on my website and i've been cutting you know into like thirds because they just nobody's going to ever sit through you know, three hours and 40 minutes when I used to, when I was a film critic and I would had a podcast and I would interview people often for three hours, three and a half hours. That would, that's normal, right. but we, but there's no way I would air the whole thing. Right. right, um, right that's yeah. insanity. Who's ever going to show it be like two parts. One's one hour, one's 45 minutes, you know, cause you know, you, just, you can't imagine that everybody is going to have the patience. I, what's weird is we're in the, uh, we're not in a podcast Renaissance because the, that happened like 10 years ago. Um, but because everybody's at home all the time, everyone is like, oh, I can make my own podcast. Most of right. these podcasts won't last past the pandemic, pretty obviously, because um, yeah. nobody has. But it, what's also happening is nobody's listening to them because, A, there's too many of them. But, B, nobody is commuting anymore. So nobody has these sort of this sort of free time to go, you know, in the thing that you would be like on the bus, on the train, in the car. You know, nobody is doing that. Absolutely. So you don't – you're the the – I used to maybe listen to like three hours of podcasts a day. Now it's down to about 45 minutes, just falling asleep to it. Um, <laughs> and I listen to more podcasts than anybody else I know. So I'm assuming everybody is sort of in that range. You know, you can't, you know, my phone is filled with, you know, seven gigs of podcasts and I'm assuming everyone else has the same problem. Yeah. Where you, just, you just backed up. So we're in a weird situation where I, uh, you might do two or three shows a day. And I, and I, I guess I, I appreciate the hustle, but I could never do it simply because I would insist on editing them. I just couldn't, couldn't stand to put them out at the full length because of just right. all the pausing and the, and, and the, the tangents that go nowhere. I mean, right. you listen to me talk, you know, I have tangents that go nowhere that, yeah. I, would just, that I would just cut out normally. I, I don't know about cutting them out though. I think uh, sometimes, and no, those things I find uh, interesting sometimes. Uh, and if it can go too far, where you say, "What the fuck? It totally it fell off the rails." Now I got to find a way to sew this back together and cut it out. But most of the time, the conversation, if it flows okay, uh, and you, you know, if it it doesn't really totally disrupt the the flow of the conversation, I enjoy listening to that. And Rogan can go three hours, and I'll listen to him. I, although I haven't in a long time. 
Uh, but you know, on occasion too, and not all the time, but usually his are two hours are under, not, not three hours, but occasionally he's gone three hours. And, uh, I forget who we had on recently that went four hours. I didn't listen to it, but people who has the stamina for that why would you want to break that up you'd have to be like uh, on the road somewhere you'd have to be like yeah you'd be have to you know like a road comedian or something and you have a next show of eight hours away and you might as well just have that on in the car while you're driving but you're right the commute is definitely where i listen to most of my podcasts and uh, i'm not i haven't had a commute in a really long time even before the pandemic and it reminds me, there's a, there's a recommendation I have since you hate Paul Blart Mallclap so much. One of the podcasts I've listened to for years is called The Worst Idea of All Time. And that's in two New Zealand comedians. And they watch the same movie every week for a year. And the first movie they watched was Grown Ups 2. And then they watched Sex in the City 2. And then it's it's about listening to their mental deterioration as they're watching this meaningless product. And they're very funny about it. But it's also like how it affects their lives, how it affects their sanity. Because imagine watching... 52 a, a movie that's like basically nothing like it's it, it, right. it offers it's not even entertaining it's not even really trying you they have did, to commit to 90 minutes of wasted time every single day sex in the city two is two and a half hours long oh my um, god so <laughs> um so they watch and they punished themselves at one point and watched it eight more times because they, one of them was late and they couldn't so they had to watch it eight more times and they did a third <laughs> season of, of uh, which was a movie called we are your friends and then there was a fourth season um, but anyway, with the McElroy brothers, every year they do t- they do a show called uh, "Till Death Do Us Blart," um, and they, they, every year on Thanksgiving or thereabouts, they watch uh, Paul Blart Mallclop two and discuss it wow. um, on that same year. So, so you might enjoy that, but it's about you know, it's different because they're not watching it you know every you know right. every week when they did when they they went to Cats you know for a week they went just every. Every day for a week, the Cats movie. They did Home Alone three. They did every day while they were in quarantine in New Zealand. Um, so you might enjoy that because it's weird, and but you start to sympathize with them. But also they're pretty funny. Um, right now they're doing the Emmanuel series. Wow, um, which is which is really long. <laughs> so they're masochists, in other words. <laughs> There's an element of that. There's a masochism element. Um. Well, but I have it, I, I have a good friend who was in more uh more uh more cup two Paul Blart two whatever the hell it's called right. and and so I can't really bash that one too much because that's, that's <laughs> I'm, a, I'm sure you I'm sure it's a step down. <laughs> I, well, I was I know it made more money, and that, and that was the thing about Howard the Duck too the the, the dwarf guy he was telling me because I I mentioned Manos and I said they're proud of being the worst movie of all time and he he was defending Howard the Duck as uh you know it, it was a good movie because it play at any given moment during any day Howard the Duck is being played somewhere that's being, that, is that that the, the Hackman Kane theory yeah. from, from if you know PCU yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for, for your audience who doesn't know what I'm talking about there's a movie called PCU which is an almost good movie it has good things in it it's called it stands for you know politically correct universities with Jeremy Piven David Spade but they're one of the people in the movie their thesis is that there's always a movie with either Gene Hackman or Michael Caine on TV 24 right. hours a day and then at one point, a bridge too far comes on, and he goes, "I've solved it," because they're both in that movie. <laughs> so you're 
your 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 little man friend is probably right. Uh, Howard the Duck is on somewhere. Somewhere, right? Yeah. Whether it's in Far East Asia right. or wherever, but yes, he's still the- getting his residual checks every six months for yeah. for forty six cents. And according to him, he never ever leaves his apartment. So that's, that's he's got to be getting money from somewhere. So how it's, is it's it? the forty six cents? Yeah, I mean, sh- surely everything he says is believable, right? Surely he believed everything he said, right? I think so. <laughs> that seems smart. It, it, it's, it was hard to tell, to be honest. But, uh, you know, we were talking because he did a lot. I asked him about stunts, and part of his promo that was, was approved by his publicist was that he was a, a former stuntman uh, for little people. But he said, no, he only did his own stunts. But then he was really angry about uh, the way... Uh, little people have to do their own stunts, and he's you know when they had me getting run over by a truck, I had to get run over, literally get run over by a truck, it, and several times. Was he in tiptoes? Did, did he did he talk about that? Uh, I don't know what that is. Tiptoes was made by Matthew Bright, who made Freeway, and it's with uh, McConaughey and Gary Oldman and Kate Beckinsale. It's made by like 0203. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. I think that was him. Yeah, I do think that was him. And it's a whole family of little people. And right, like, yeah. And yeah. McConaughey's the only he's like... In Martin, that. You know, okay. He's, he's in that one, yeah. <laughs> it's That's a really weird movie that's been absolutely butchered by the studio who was trying to sell it like as a romantic comedy or something. Right. Um, I remember watching... When I, he was coming on the show, I watched the trailer for that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't know what to make of it. Was, was it trying to make a social statement? Yes. Was, Trying to be funny? What the hell was that? It's all of those things, but we'll never see the cut that the director intended. Um, and it was absolutely mangled. Now, I don't know if it, you know, it may be such a bizarre concept that it never would have worked. Um, but yeah, so I was, you know, when you hear, oh, right, it's someone who, there's, that's a movie that features tons and tons of little people. Right. Um, and I, as opposed I, I, to your, your your Peter Dinklage one offs and like in in like living in oblivion or something. Right, and he's in the Oh Brother Where Art Thou? You know that. Oh, that, okay, right, right. Yeah. That guy, the broom and the midget and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that's what. They, and, but and he said uh, he was upended by the term midget, which I understand. That's not politically right. correct at the time. But but then it, he's throwing around the n word. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and, and but in that movie because it it had the context of the time, he was okay with it which it seemed a little odd to me. That would be like a black person saying, uh, yeah, I'm offended by the N-word, but if you if you make a movie based on uh, 1950s America, it's okay to, to say, or, or Mississippi Burning, I guess now would you know probably not be made that way. But Well, it, it wouldn't be made because it's a white savior movie. Yeah, yeah. It, it wouldn't be made. I think, I don't know if I've ever told this story that I once got fired from teaching uh, public school because I refused to teach uh, To Kill Mockingbird to black kids. No, you never told me that. Wow. Um, so I was uh, 23, I think. Um, and I was uh, teaching public school in the Bronx in, in New York City. And, uh, um, you know, my the, where I was teaching, I was a sub, but I'd been sort of hired like to do the whole semester because the person who was there didn't want to go, didn't want to commute, didn't want to do whatever. And they, they were like, well, we want to te- want you to teach To Kill a Mockingbird. And I said, and this is 2001. Um, and I said, I don't really want to teach that to black kids. And they said, why? I said, cause it's a white savior narrative. And at the time, like that wasn't a thing that people really discussed, but you know, I'd gone to, you know, you know, I, I have my film degree and I studied media production and critical theory. And so, you know, you think that way, you yeah. know, like, I don't really want to teach them that, that, uh, uh, you know, the white guy is going to solve all their problems and then they get all the character development, the ups and the downs, and they're just kind of extras in their own life. 
And right. I said, how about, how about I teach Raisin in the Sun? And they said, well, we don't own any copies of Raisin in the Sun. I said, but you understand why I want to teach Raisin in the Sun? Because it's about, it's about middle-class black family. It does deal with racism, but it's about the people. And it's about like, you know, how their lives can improve. And, you know, you learn about the, you learn about them and their, their actual developed characters. And then there's like, but we don't own that. I'm like, and, and we still own these copies of Mockingbird. And I said, do you see what kind of shape these are in? Right. Um, they're not going to last the semester. And they're like, well, we're, we think that you, I'm like, and I'm like, you look, I'll buy the copies of Raisin in the Sun. And uh, I didn't, you know, there was that argument went on for a while. And uh, wow. Um, yeah, I, I was gone by the end of the week. Uh, <laughs> Probably because they knew your teacher's paycheck couldn't buy two copies. Of <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, the movie Time to Kill McConaughey. Uh, yeah. Time, is that a, a, a white? Oh, yes, it is. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but Samuel L. Jackson seems to be fine with it. Sure. I mean, Gran Torino is probably one of the worst in, in terms of that that uh, that narrative. Um, and uh, the best is um, is Six Degrees of Separation. That's the best satire, satire of that behavior. Do you know that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Will, uh, Will Smith. Right? Will Smith and uh, um, uh, Donald Sutherland and uh, Stalker Channing is amazing in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, there's a whole, um, you know, it's basically about how these rich white people think that they're going to learn how to live and, and understand because they're they're helping out a black kid and giving him money. Right. And it's it's an absolute, you know, nailing down and satire of that thought process. Right. Um, now, there's uh, that's a it's a wonderful movie that I recommend everybody. It's very funny. It's very dark. But one of the most ironic parts of it is in that movie and in the, the play that it's based on. Um, the uh, uh, Will Smith is pretending to be the Sid the son of Sidney Poitier, and he pretends that so he can get right. in with these rich people, and he just wants to live their life. And, and it's based on a true story, right? It's based, yeah, it is based on a true story, uh, but uh, about a con man, and um, he's pretending to be you know friends with their kids who's at various colleges, um, uh, including one in the movie played by a very young J uh, a uh, um, what's his name uh, uh, Abram J J Abrams. Um, and um, in the, so so he he he's uh, pitching them his thesis, uh, and he's talking about all these different things. And he said, and he, they said, well, what is your father here to do? The son of Sidney Body is like, well, they're making a movie of cats, and and everyone in the you know when they're not talking to Will Smith's character is kind of making fun of how ridiculous this is that yeah. they're going to make a movie of cats that is just the stupidest possible idea. Um, <laughs> and who do you think is in that scene? But Ian McKellen. Wow. Who is in the movie of Cats? Right, right. How freaking ironic is that? I didn't catch that. Yeah. You, 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 you uh, did you find that, figure that out for yourself? Or was yeah, that, I did. That, I uh, did because when they were when they <laughs> when they were making a movie of Cats, and and I was like, but Ian McKellen is in Six Degrees Separation, making fun of that. I don't nope. understand. I've never seen Cats. It's not right. for me. I mean, I've seen right. the play when I was a kid, but uh, on on Broadway, you know, when it was. Whenever, I'm surprised you know, there's no internet chatter about that. Oh, well, I'm sure there is now. But yeah, um, um, you know, I pointed it out when they were when they were uh, you know announcing it, and I thought, huh? Didn't, yeah, didn't right. he, has he? Has he just been in so many movies since then? I mean, it's been you know the 25 year gap between the two. But that's one so, of those things that make you think the Mandela effect might be might be real. Like what the? <laughs> it's so what the fuck? It's like, yeah. <laughs> Or, or it's the British. It's the British way. You just get a paycheck. You just show up because you never know if you're, you know that what the Michael Caine theory. Like I don't care what I'm in. I'm just working. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's that's terrible. Uh, that's what a what a terrible way. I mean, I, I guess it's better than you know 
working in Safeway, I guess, at <laughs> stacking the shelves on, over, on the yeah, overnight it's, shift. It's, it's easier. You pay, get paid better. I right. mean, you get paid. You get paid to sit around, really. And it's free lunch and free. Yeah, yeah I guess free adoration. And I, I would think being a well-paid character actor would be the best of both worlds, anyway. Yeah, but I mean, to take something you're really not proud of on purpose just for the paycheck, to me, that would be really unsatisfying. I don't know. Some people, I guess, different values, different principles, whatever. If he wants to do a good, more power to him. Uh, let's leave something for, for Thursday night because you're going to be back Thursday night to promote the film, but we could talk about it now one more time since we're going to we're gonna sign off for the night. Uh, the film is called uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Kill Me. What's the name of the theater? Uh, it's going to be playing uh, on the Lemley Theater website, lemley.com. You can already um, see the preview page there or go to waitwaitdon'tkillme.com where I've already got a link up to it. So it'll be available on starting Friday, October 23rd. Can they pre-order it? Uh, they I, they cannot. I, I will no. check again on Thursday to see if it's available, but I don't I don't think so. But it doesn't really matter. I mean, you can buy the ticket, and I think I think this one has like three days that you have access to it, if I'm right. right. But I'll 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 clarify with the uh, the uh, theater and so All right. figure it out. I'll see you Thursday night. Thanks okay. for sitting. Thanks sure. for sitting in. Absolutely. <laughs> we didn't talk about federal prisons, folks. Uh, maybe maybe some other time. I don't know what happened with Dan. I'll try to co- I'll contact him and see if he wants to reschedule. If not, I'll see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. Till then, I'm Matt Napo for the Mind Dog TV podcast. Thanks for joining us. Have a great night and bye for now. <laughs>